You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. We are off and running, people. Back for another big show on this Wednesday, October 21st, a day where the World Series kind of feels like an impossible task for Tampa Bay after watching last night. But we have lots of stuff to do. Only one hour to do so. So, of course, let's dive right in. And you know by now, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Plenty on tap for this Tuesday edition. Not just sports-related, but, of course, we continue the regal tumble, the battle to find the greatest TV show of all time. The poll numbers, far more impressive yesterday for me, so I like that. We'll see if we can keep trending in the right direction. One show eliminated yesterday. A new show enters the ring today, so we'll get to that. Today is Wednesday, so we have headlines. Probably going to be an abbreviated headlines, but headlines all the same. And, of course, if you want to get involved, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But let's start with the World Series because it got underway last night. In case you're just waking up, just getting rolling, Dodgers take Game 1. 8-3 over the Rays. Now, it's only Game 1, as I say all the time about Game 1s are generally overblown. People get all worked up as if Game 1 is going to tell the story of the entire series. But that was... um, It does... Not just that the Dodgers won, but how they won. Maybe it's just in my own mind. It kind of makes you wonder whether or not the Rays can really compete against it because Kershaw was fantastic. Bellinger with a home run. Mookie Betts is stealing bases, doing everything. The star power for L.A. definitely showed up in Game 1. Now, again, it is only Game 1, and I did find it a little puzzling. And maybe it was because it was Game 1, and you're going to have all these games. Hopefully for the Rays, you're going to have all these games. Hopefully it's not going to be over in four. But you had Kevin Cash making a very puzzling decision last night. Now, if you did not watch the game, fourth inning, Bellinger hits the home run, 2-0. It was a 0-0 game up until that point. But Glass now had been, it's tough to say cruising through three innings, but he had essentially been cruising through three innings. Looked really sharp early on, good velocity, really sharp break on his on his off-speed stuff. And he he needed, I think it was 30 pitches to get through the fourth. Right, So he gives up the home run to Bellinger. You move ahead to the fifth. So this is going to be Glasnow's third time through the order. And even after struggling, Cash decides to have Glasnow go back out there for the top of the order again. Okay, you know, maybe you don't want to go to the bullpen that quickly. Although, if there's a team that's going to have the quick hook, right, they're going to be proactive in managing the game on the mound, it's usually Tampa Bay. So the first batter is Mookie Betts. He walks. Glass now stays in. The next batter, I think, was Corey Seager. He walked. He stays in. Basically, by the time the inning was over and Glass now was no longer on the mound, it was a 6-1 game. And I don't remember what the overall total was. I think it was 112 pitches that he threw. That's the most pitches thrown by any raised pitcher, not just in the playoffs, all season. All season long, and the game is essentially over. Now, I guess the Rays decided before the game that Glasnow was going to just have to get it done or they were just going to lose the game. All right? I mean, I guess you don't want to go. Their bullpen, the Rays' bullpen, is going to be a, a significant factor. If the Rays are going to win, they're going to need their bullpen. And the, you'd figure, right, the more times the Dodgers get to see the high-leverage guys, the more likely – later in the series, that they're going to be able to have an impact against those high-leverage guys. So maybe you don't want to burn those guys out in Game 1 
and you decide before the game that Glasnow is going to be the guy you ride come hell or high water. Still, little surprising that the team that kind of wrote the book on not letting guys face the order three times allowed a guy to face a team three, uh, the order three times, and it absolutely decided the game. As I said, it was 6-1. It ends up 8-3. Uh, and it's a little strange that the you know right we're talking about uh, back in the uh, ALCS Charlie Morton threw what sixty eight pitches in uh, in in game seven and uh, was out of there while the, the, you know had not, I don't think he had given up a run so there you go now one other story that I've seen uh, kind of pop up here is that you know Clayton Kershaw was really sharp last night a lot of swings and misses really really good. And I've seen people say, well, you know what, that's great for Kershaw, this great all-time pitcher who has never really been able to be that guy consistently in the playoffs. And if he has another start like that, you'd assume he's going to get another start in the series. If he can do that again, he'll be able to silence the narrative about him come the postseason. Uh, No, he can't. No, he can't. The book about Kershaw in the playoffs is largely written. Now, he can alter maybe the last few chapters, right? Yes, Kershaw was always a guy who struggled, but uh, he overcame those struggles, and the Dodgers finally won a World Series. But I think that the the book is kind of written about Clayton Kershaw. His playoff rep is pretty well established. Now, I'm happy that he was able to go out there, and he has had games like that in the past. It's not like he goes out there and stinks every single time. But there's probably no pitcher playing right now. Who knows? Maybe there's no pitcher. I don't know where he ranks all time in terms of postseason starts. It has to be pretty much up there. I mean, he's basically pitched in the playoffs every single year. This is his 13th season. He's been in the playoffs 10 times, 10 seasons. Not just 10 series. I mean, they've gone deep, right? They've gone to the World Series a bunch of times. So I would think there's no pitcher playing right now who has pitched as much as he has in the playoff. He has started 29 playoff games. That's like a full season. That's not a small sample size. I would bet you right now that there's no pitcher out there who has a larger sample size in the postseason than Clayton Kershaw. And his ERA is 4.22 or 4.25. He has clearly not been the same guy in the playoffs consistently that he is in the regular season. Because in the regular season, he's you know maybe the greatest pitcher of his generation. His, his ERA in the regular season is 2.43 in the postseason, 4.22. And it's strange, you know, the Dodgers are the smart team, but they continually rely on him and stick with him deep into games when it's pretty well established they should not do that anymore. But good for him, good for L.A., and they take Game 1 of the World Series, Game 2 tonight. And, of course, we have all the games right here, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Uh, Rob Manfred spoke yesterday before uh, Game 1 of the World Series. Was it yesterday or two days ago? I'm not sure. All the days run together. But he spoke anyway before Game 1 of the World Series. And what a surprise. I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you. If you're driving right now, maybe maybe pull over, maybe not pull off the road altogether, maybe just get into the slow lane. Because when you hear this news, just even though you don't want to, your hands on the wheel, they're going to shake a little bit. Oh, oh, this is such groundbreaking, earth-shattering news. It seems that Rob Manfred says that the changes made to baseball this year 
because of the pandemic. He would like to see them extended into next season. I know, right? They only they only were doing this because of the pandemic and the shortened season. These things aren't going to stay around. Not so, well, I mean, everybody, this is not me going out on a limb at the time. Everyone knew that once you got expanded playoffs in, once you got the runner at second base in extra inning, they're never going to get rid of that. Now, I guess the only bit of good news is that Manfred doesn't think that it'll be 16 teams that make the playoffs in the future. After all, that's more than half the teams. But 12, 14 certainly could be the case. Well, look, Rob Manfred can say whatever he wants, but and say that these are improvements to the game. The only reason this was always going to be the case, and it's the case for one reason, it's because it makes the most money. And baseball, especially, look, who cares? I mean, the, the sport should make money. It's a business at the end of the day. But baseball, especially under Rob Manfred, makes every decision about maximizing money in the short term rather than caring about down the road. Just let's get the money. Just grab it now while you can. Grab it, grab it, grab it. So nobody is actually think, saying that this makes the sport better or makes the game better or more appeal. Although the, I'm sure that they'll somehow make some dopey spin about how this is going to get more kids involved in the game. I, I'd love to hear that reasoning. That bizarro world, that, 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 that that's the case. That's what they always do. No, this is going to get the kids more interested. Oh, sure, sure. Um, nobody thinks that. Nobody will tell you that this is actually better for the sport. It'll just make the sport more money. So away you go. Away you go. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Now, I know what you're thinking. As earth-shattering as that Rob Manfred stuff is, is Gordon going to get through the opening segment of his show without talking about the New York Jets? No! No, that will not happen. No. So let's go with a couple of things. First thing. Uh, Let's go with Trevor Lawrence. And first things first, you know, the trade deadline is coming up on November 3rd in the NFL. And at this point, it is clear, and I'm usually a, a, a supporter of this, not a fan of it, but I think that um, it, it's something that is available, and especially in the NFL, it is more beneficial there than in any other sport. But when it comes to the New York Jets, they should absolutely be tanking on this year. And what I mean by tank is not to lose games, because <laughs> they're already doing that. They got Gordon, we got that locked down. Got it. No, I understand that. But in terms of the roster that they have, anything on their roster that can bring back anything significant in terms of draft picks or the catchy word, draft capital, which are draft picks, they should absolutely do it. Absolutely. They should be looking to fire sale. Absolutely. Now, the fire sale is... If it includes also firing Adam Gase, I think that would make fans happy. But no, the fire sale should be on. They should be looking. It's clear, more so than anything else, A, the Jets are terrible. And B, it's going to take a very long time before they are good again. But the only way they are going to ever get good again, the only way they have the possibility of getting good again is to load up on draft picks and hope that you hit at a higher rate than they've hit over the last decade. That wouldn't be hard. Now, as for Trevor Lawrence, I saw the story yesterday. You maybe saw Roddy White 
says that uh, if the Jets get the first pick, Trevor Lawrence should absolutely go back to school. Well, the problem with that idea, and it's been out there for a while, there are no guarantees the Jets won't have the first pick next year, too. Ha-ha, Trevor Lawrence, you thought you could avoid the Jets by going back to school for a year. Well, 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 two can play at that game. No, he should not risk things necessarily by going back to school. But he does have leverage by that threat, and he should absolutely use that threat as leverage, especially now. You know, when Eli did it, there was some criticism, not that much, but there was some criticism of who this kid, more people, more especially in the media now, they would absolutely be more people in the media writing that this is the right move for Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know necessarily that, it's, uh, that it would be the wrong move. There are more than enough concerns with the Jets. And when people talk about the concerns about the Jets and Trevor Lawrence, it has nothing to do with, with past quarterbacks of Mark Sanchez or Sam Darnold or developing quarterbacks. It's about one thing that has remained constant. That's ownership. The ownership has been in place for 20 years. They are about to complete their 10th straight year out of the playoffs. And it would be one thing if, you know, week 17, the Jets are close again. They have come close once. Once. And you know what? After this year, it's very well possible that the Jets will have the longest playoff drought in the sport right now. The Browns have gone 17 years without the playoffs. I mean, look, there's still a lot of time left. The Browns, you know, expanded playoffs this year. They could maybe uh, make a, a bid to get a playoff spot. Uh, the Buccaneers, they've gone 12 years. But Browns are 17, Buccaneers are 12, Jets are going to be 10. So there's a very good chance after this season the Jets have the longest drought. And let's be honest, after this year, they're not going to be even remotely close to the play. It's not like next year all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, whoa, look at that, the Jets are back in the play. It's going to be uh, – that playoff drought is going to be extended not just this year, but probably next year almost certainly. So if I were Trevor Lawrence – I would definitely be looking for the best solution because keep in mind, unlike when Eli Manning came out, quarterbacks now, it's much like uh, the, the line about NFL, not for long. I mean, teams move off quarterbacks very, very quickly. The Jets are already possibly going to move off Sam Darnold, right? I mean, we've seen countless guys, Josh uh, Rosen, this guy here, that guy. Teams move off quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins. So it's about, for him, I would think, finding the best spot and then having his agent make sure that that's facilitated. The problem with that is there's not really that many teams looking for quarterbacks, and the teams that are bad, that are kind of in the mix with the Jets, the situations are kind of just as bad. Like, the Jets situation, I think, is bad. Do you really feel like it's that much better in Washington or Jacksonville? You know, those those are the teams that you're talking about, right? Like, there's not that many teams, and the teams that might be looking for quarterbacks, if you're if you're trying to, like, think about, you know, project, maybe the Colts. Colts are going to have way too many wins to make that uh, a really realistic trade scenario. The Bears are going to win too many games. I don't know, New England, Pittsburgh. I mean, maybe they're looking. I don't think that those are realistic either. I mean, I guess the Vikings are to a certain degree, but all the money they have already sunk in Kirk Cousins, I don't know. Now, on the flip side, and uh, we got to get the break because I'm already late. one 800 espn Did I mention that? Um, Keyshawn Johnson came out a couple of days ago. We played that yesterday about the Jets don't need Trevor Lawrence, that the Jets should trade that pick. And that's a conversation that a lot of people 
are having, right? What do you do? Do you keep Sam, trade the pick? Do you trade Sam and keep the pick? Well, the idea behind that is, you know, Trevor Lawrence is not going to solve all the problems. You know, you can't just all of a sudden get Trevor Lawrence and thinks that fixes everything. You're basically putting him in the same situation as you put Sam Darnold. Well, look, nobody. I bring this up all the time. We take calls. All the shows here on the station take calls all day long. They're not all golden. And yet no one anywhere has suggested that the Jets draft Trevor Lawrence and the Jets are fixed. Nobody is that delusional. Trevor Lawrence is just simply the silver lining. And I think for Jet fans, maybe I'm wrong, a fresh start. This year for the Jets has to not just be a bad year. This has to be a bottoming out. This has to be not a tweak, not a slight adjustment. This has to be a a sports exorcism, right? Knocking down the building, not just a fresh coat of paint. So it really gets back to if everyone agrees that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a franchise quarterback and the Jets have the number one pick this year, well, then you don't go – the Jets don't have to overthink it. In fact, the Jets don't have to think about it at all. That's the best part of it. You don't go against what everyone else is saying, especially not when you're the Jets. I did want to touch on uh, Tua Tungavailoa being named the starter in Miami. We will get to calls in just a second. Boy, oh boy, amazing the amount of optimism surrounding a performance against the Jets in garbage time, which I get the Jets will, will say is the, the entire game garbage time. Um it has to be the first time that any quarterback has ever gotten benched after leading his team to back-to-back wins by, what, combined 50 points? But obviously, as everybody's saying, it's the, it's the right rule. I've said for weeks, I think since the season started, that for the Dolphins, the season does not begin until Tua starts playing games. The playoffs this year is not the goal. It's to establish the quarterback. It's year one of a rebuild. And you've seen some growth. And I would say, even though a negative Nancy like me When it comes to my team, the coaching staff has developed some goodwill. Now, I'm not building any statues yet, but I'm willing to I'm willing to try to love again is basically what I'm saying. I'm willing to give them a little wiggle room. I've been six times divorced from the squad, so I'm willing to I'm willing to open up my heart just a little bit. Now, to me, to his biggest question is can he stay healthy when the hits really start coming? And I am very dubious at the draft. I said I did not want them to take to a, a tongue of Iloa. I did not necessarily think they should even take a quarterback this year because, again, it is year one of a rebuild. They have all these picks that they have. You can, you can pick and choose. You, there's nothing saying that you have to take a quarterback that year. But if you can't, this, this will be a perfect judge, right? Because they have the bye week this week, and then they'll have 10 games in 10 weeks. And... That will be a test. Can Tua stay healthy for 10 straight weeks? I am very dubious about that. Now, this is the time to find that out this year. You have two first-round picks if you're Miami. You have two second-round picks. You have 10 picks overall in the 2021 draft. If he were to have another serious injury, either the hip or something else that holds it, if Ryan Fitzpatrick sees another second of time outside of garbage time for the Dolphins, that's a sign that the Dolphins probably made a mistake with this pick. If you're the fifth pick in the draft, you, uh, you have to be able now to, over these 10 games, go out there every single week and be the starter. You can't all of a sudden, well, you know, he's got this injury, he's got that. That's a, that's a huge red flag. And if it does turn out that that red flag shows itself, well, if you're the Dolphins organization, you got to go back to the well. You might not want to, 
but that would be um, that would be what you would have to do, right? If he shows that he cannot stay healthy. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the phone number one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Ahmed is in Queens. Ahmed, what's going on, my man? Good morning. Um, people forget that Sam Darnold is only two years older than Trevor Lawrence. I know he's taking a beating and maybe mentally it might have an effect on him, but I think we could trade, you know, that first round pick again, you know, and and we already have extra picks from the trade already this year. Why can't we get another receiver, a good lineman, you know, maybe in the fourth round, pick up a running back, a, a starting corner in the second round, a good pass rusher that we finally need? I think there's a lot of of things to go with Sam Darnold. He has no weapons. Okay. Um, the problem is, Ahmed, is that he is going to start getting expensive, right? Like, if you pass this year on him, and there's no way anyone can tell you with any level of certainty that for sure Sam Darnold, now after this year, heading into his fourth season, that you know for sure what you really have. So you're going to have to be making a, a faith-based judgment on that, hoping that that's going to be something that turns around in year four of his career when it's not really shown itself on any consistent level through the first three years. Would we agree on that? I would agree with that. Okay. But you look at a game, for instance, like when he played against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the magnificent. first game of his career. Yeah, the first game of his career. He threw a pick in the first, you know, in the first right. drive. And he came back and he showed his poise and, you know, his his – I guess his IQ as a quarterback, you know, he learned from it. What what weapons does he have? They're going to digress. They start counting the seconds. You know, he knows that he has to throw a perfect pass as opposed to having a good receiver where you throw it to an area and you know he's going to catch it. These things, they they linger in their minds as quarterbacks. Okay, well, I mean, it's not like, Ahmed, and thanks for the call, it's not like after this year that all of a sudden the Jets are going to have all these weapons. And I would simply say that, yeah, you have a lot of picks. You know what you need? More. You need more picks. If you have any faith, if it's Joe Douglas making the call, if it's someone else making the call, I have no idea what the Jets are going to look like after this season and how bad this season can get. Again, we're only six games into it. Imagine how bad it can get. You haven't even played the good team. I saw strength of schedules yesterday for the remainder of the season. The Jets were not 32nd. It's one of the few times that the Jets have not been 32nd. They are 31st. They have the 31st toughest schedule the rest of the way. So uh, that's not good. Here's the problem with Darnold. He's going to start getting expensive. You're going to have to make a, a contract extension uh, after you know three years of up and down play. And it's not just that he, you know, for everybody who's saying, well, he has no weapons, he is so up and down. As I made the point yesterday about, um, you know, ceiling and floor, right? His ceiling, it might be very high. His ceiling might be that of franchise quarterback. There's nothing right now that can tell you that for sure. What you can know for sure is that his floor is sub-basement. Like, he has games where he looks like he's never played the quarterback position before. So when you combine the fact that you're going to have to make, uh, you know, a contract after, you know, basically next year, you're going to go into next year, year four, knowing, hey, I'm going to pick up the fifth-year option, and, and at the same time, passing up on someone that everyone agrees is going to be a franchise quarterback. Well, that's not the way that I would go. I would, I would, and I think that for whoever is taking over the Jets, that's really the question for that person, the, the, the next head coach, the next uh, GM. 
I, I don't know what's going to happen after this year. I, it seems like the, Joe Douglas is going to still be the GM, you would think. But I, I wouldn't rule out a possible. Again, you don't need a fresh coat of paint. You need a whole new building. You need This year has to be assigned to the organization, the ownership. You know what? We have to. This has to be the bottoming out. This has to be rock bottom after this year. And if there's any questions about anyone within the organization, we have to get this right for once and for all. So uh, for me, in terms of the quarterback, I would, if I were the Jets, I would not be somebody who is saying, you know what, everybody says this, but we're going to do that. When you're the Jets, you know what, sometimes things, this is the perfect year to be terrible. There's a franchise quarterback in the draft this year, and all you have to do is just keep doing what you're doing. And the beauty of the NFL system in terms of tanking and why it makes perfect sense for a team like the Jets to just bottom out this year when you get the when you're terrible there's nothing to be decided you get the first pick there's no lottery you're bad you get the pick and if you get the pick and you nail the pick right if Trevor Lawrence is everything that people say that he is going to be well then you can essentially pretty much keep that guy for his entire career that's not really the case in other sports. Football, it absolutely is because of the franchise tag and all those type of things. Well, what happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked. Or the second half, we just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball and went down and got points, we got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. 24 years ago yesterday, that's Jim Mora. Maybe some of the younger listeners don't remember Jim Mora. He was an okay head coach, but uh, he gave some great press conference. I mean, obviously the one that everybody knows is the playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, But that one, right up there. And maybe Adam Gase should listen to that. And it would make you, if Adam Gase came out and said that, it had that kind of fire. Look, he still stinks, but at least it would make you feel a little bit better, right? Like one of the things I think that would be so frustrating as a fan, and I know this because I was a fan of a team that had him as the head coach, was that he would he comes in and it's like, well, you know what, uh, it's everybody's fault, uh, it's the players, you know, it's not a play call. It's like past the everything is past the buck. Not so much past the football effectively, but past the buck. So there is Jim Moore, and that uh, there's your moment of inspiration. I don't know what's inspiring about that. I, I just like the fact that an NFL head coach used the term diddly-poo. I feel like that does not get uh, nearly enough. And maybe the Jets can hire... Jim Mora to come in after the game and explain what went wrong. Don't I mean at least it makes you feel like you're getting an actual honest answer rather than what you usually get. All right, it is the Gordon Damer show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Our poll question for day is not up yet because of course it ties in to the Regal Tumble. And this is day number 3 of the Regal Tumble, but before we get to our next participant, we have to bid farewell to yesterday's loser. And that loser is 
South Park. South Park. Despite 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, despite the uh, cultural significance, you voted. And South Park, just 16%. Gone. Gone, in my opinion, far too soon. But gone all the same. But it is time again to go into the war room in the regal tumble. That would be the cue to start the music there, Brian. There we go. So the three shows that remain, we know them well. They are. That would be the music. There we go. The Office. Obviously, The Office. Very well so far. Very strong contender so far, at least so far. Next up. Yes, Cheers is also still there. Making your way in the and the uh, third returning member of the Regal Tumble is Game of Thrones. If only there had not been that last season. If somehow we had come up with the Regal Tumble concept before that, what was that, season eight? Oh, I mean, Game of Thrones very well might have been the overall favorite. But that final season, unfortunately, did happen. So we have the three remaining, and now time to find out our new participant into the Regal Tumble. Oh my gosh, it's The Walking Dead. Now for clarification, The Walking Dead is the AMC TV show. This has no connection or relation to the Jets games on Sundays. No, we did it. We did it. And, uh, well, look, I didn't do it. You did. This is not my... Yeah. Uh, Who is that that's saying that? I don't even know. Morrow. Morrow. Okay. Uh, Sorry, Morrow, but uh, this is not my pick. Walking Dead would not have been on my list of shows. Uh, Very repetitive. Uh, It's not a great show. People think it is. And people do love... God, do people love zombies. Man, you throw zombies into anything and people will just eat it up, much like the zombies. Are you kidding me? Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, at this point for the Jets, I, you know, there's that show that won all the Emmys this year that I can't say the name. It's on Netflix. It has something creak. They really should be forced to give up the Emmy for best comedy to the Jets this year. There is no show on television uh, that I laugh more out loud about than the New York Jets. So there you go. The Walking Dead is the uh, latest participant into the Regal Tumble. So the uh, poll question going up as I speak right now. Voting is now open. Your four nominees, four possibilities today, The Walking Dead, Cheers, The Office, and Game of Thrones. You can vote on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, and it'll be very interesting to see just how strong a performance The Walking Dead has. Although so far, you would have to say The Office has been the strongest participant, at least so far. And I, you, you, look, that makes sense. They are, I don't know that they would be, if this were a bracket, a number one seed, but they'd be very, very high up. Maybe a number two. Maybe they'd be the number one. Eh, I wouldn't even put them number one in comedy, but there you go. Vote on Twitter, at Gordon Dammer. Now, uh, this is also Wednesday, so you know what that means, people. It means it's time for headlines. Today's headlines. Extra, extra. All right, so we're just going to keep it in abbreviated headlines for today, mainly because the uh, Post has not been able to tweet out uh, t- tweet out uh, their news headlines on Twitter uh, this week. Uh, I think it's something to do with the. Uh, I'm not going to do it. 
So we'll just stick to uh, Florida Man. For everybody loves Florida Man, so let's just run through the Florida Man stories because we're already late, and it's all Brian's fault. All right, uh, first up, Florida Man accused of using Kool-Aid packet to steal $1,000 in merchandise from Walmart. Extra, extra. Florida Man bitten by shark that would just not let go. Extra, extra. Fairness is a shark. They don't know. They don't realize that they're biting a person. They don't know what people are. It's just food. Florida man arrested for boating under the influence after crashing into multiple docks. Extra, extra. Florida man turns mop bucket into motorized scooter. Extra, extra. Florida man beats roommate with baseball bat over dead rodent in the freezer. Extra, extra. I mean, you probably shouldn't have dead rodents in the freezer, right? I mean, I don't know. Florida man arrested for shooting twin brother after pair drew guns on each other. Extra, extra. That's a that's a wacky one, right? Florida man accused of selling cocaine claims he was only selling because of COVID-19. Extra, extra. Florida woman repeatedly tells cops my butt just farted during arrest. Extra, extra. Florida man proposes to his stripper girlfriend while she's on stage in Miami. Extra, extra. And finally, Florida man stuffs live lobsters down his pants. Extra, extra. All right, that's going to do it for headlines. That'll put us back on track for the show. We touched on the Jets today, as we do every single day, when it comes to uh, what is going to be the first overall pick and Trevor Lawrence and all that type of stuff. The World Series is out there for you. The Regal Tumble voting is open now. And in case you're just joining us on this Wednesday, the new participant into the mix is The Walking Dead. Very popular show. Not a very good show in my uh, estimation, but look. You guys nominated it. it the, the, the popularity of it means that it had to be included. After all, this is a popularity contest. But The Walking Dead cheers the office Game of Thrones. Please vote early and often. All your burner accounts that you have, throw them in the mix. And uh, you could do that on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. All right, let's get to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go to Neil in the Bronx. Neil, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. I'd just like to ask you, what are the top three NFL coach rants that would best describe the New York Jets season? <laughs> oh, the best rants. Oh, well, I mean, not being able to do diddly-poo would certainly have to be up there. I think, you know, you could just do it just with Jim Mora alone. Right. Uh, you know, the play playoffs, playoffs. Uh, Dennis Green, they are exactly who we thought they are. I mean, all of them really kind of come. Anybody who's mad as hell and is not going to take it anymore, it would certainly um, it would make sense. <laughs> good one, Gordon. Good one. All right, man. Is that it, Neil? Is that all you got for me? All right, I guess that's all you got for me today. Uh, let's go to Frank in Brooklyn. Frank, what's going on, my man? Yeah, listen, Gordon, uh, you know, the Jets got to fill out their roster. I was thinking that possibly uh... – you know, one time they traded Belichick to New England. Can we get something for Adam Gase? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Oh, um, you don't uh, think so? Uh, no, I, I could think of something. I know Gruden I can't was traded once and Parcells was traded. Right. What's that? Gruden was once traded. Parcells yeah, was traded. Yeah, he had won a Super Bowl at that point. I don't know really what you what could get What do you think we can pull for... back from? Uh, a, a, a case of uh, athlete's foot? I'm not sure. I, I, I better keep it as clean as possible, you know? All right. Uh, you're not going to be able to get much back for Adam Gase. All right. All right. Sorry about that, Frank. Look, if you're talking about the people who, when you go looking for a head coach again, here's the thing that's really baffling. 
Like the last time the Jets, when the Jets hired Gase, they actually looked at, and this is, maybe this should make you more optimistic. I guess it kind of depends on your, your, your vantage point. If it makes you optimistic or pessimistic. They talked to Cliff Kingsbury. They talked to Matt Rule. And they talked to Adam Gase. I don't remember if there was anybody else that they talked. They talked to McCarthy, who turns out he has actually looked like a disaster so far. Although I don't think he would have been any worse than Gase. Uh, that's for sure. They talked to all these people and they decided on Adam Gase. So that's really, I mean, they did cast a wide net. I would think that going back to the college route uh, is not something, obviously Eric Bieniemy is going to be a name that's out there. And there's going to be, it seems like, quite a few openings this year. So, And I think that Eric Bieniemy is going to get a, a pretty good job. So I think that Eric Bieniemy is going to be kind of off the table. But look, if the Jets' ownership has had enough of this garbage, shoot off the locks, the off the wallet, go out there and let money be no object. Go out and get your guy. I mean, you are in New York. I know, you know, football, you know, salary cap and all these type of things. There's no salary cap for coaches. So it, it, whoever it is, I think you have to be a little bit more pro- proactive and not be, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I can't. I, I can't understand the thought process that would have led them to bring in Adam Gase when they had far better. And it seemed like Matt Rule kind of wanted the Jet job, but they were not willing to let him select his own assistants. And boy, they should have probably done that. Probably should have done that. All right, uh, let's go to Spike. Is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, my friend. I've come to the conclusion I need you to corroborate this theory. I think the Jets have uh, usurped the Knicks and being dysfunctional. Ah, oh, that's a and tough Knicks one. Knicks have turned the corner. Yeah, I mean. Well, they hired some guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, the Knicks have made the playoffs more recently than the than the Jets have, right? Oh, that's real, real easy one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not exactly uh, Godzilla versus Megalon. Uh, it's not exactly yeah, yeah. a real battle there. I mean, it's it's yeah. a pretty low bar to clear on both ends. We understand that, but but my point is the Knicks have shaken up the management team and flipped the coach. I said I, just as you were saying it, there must be some particle with you somewhere. I was thinking, open. There's no uh, ceiling on coaches. Go get the coach in North Carolina, Carolina that they didn't get. What the hell's the difference? You know, you pay him another five million dollars a year or whatever. It doesn't mean nothing. There's so much revenue in that game. Stupid cheap move. And Gaze, I almost feel bad for him. There's something about him that's off. Am I wrong seeing that? Well, no. I mean, everything's off. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I, I really I mean, his his appeal is that his his working with quarterbacks. I mean, he does not have the personality. You would not look at him and I've never met him or talked to him. But just from from the outside, he does not seem like somebody who is a leader of men. Right. Like some coaches, you just like Mike Vrabel is just, you know, he's just a man's man. He's a leader of men. And he's turned out to be a lot better tactician in terms of a head coach that I think that most of us expected. Uh, but, you know, there's certain guys that are just leaders of men and they just get guys together. Uh, and then there's the X's and O's guys. Gase well, he, is not even he's, – he's not even that. He's not – it doesn't really – he has like one very small appeal. And I would say if the Jets are searching for the next head coach, I think they have to find somebody who is not just have one narrow area of fo- – it shouldn't just be about the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback, because that's how you got to this point. All right, Spike. All right, I guess Spike's gone. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Brian, do you have that sound of um, Jeff Lunau? 
he was speaking in an interview. You know, a lot of people yesterday, uh, there was another step in the process for Steve Cohen, right? He, uh, he, I don't know what stage he is in now. It seems like he's in stage 15 of the 75-step process to become the, the next owner of the New York Jets. His bid was approved by Major League Baseball's ownership committee. Okay, so he's all but assured of taking over the team. And it's funny because it seems like Met fans have approached this as, well, you know what, this guy's not, he's, he's going to go about things with a ruthless efficiency. And not just ruthless efficiency, but he's going to have the money to spend, as if spending a lot of money is the be-all, end-all. I get that the, the will, not spending any money and not being smart about it, that's a bad approach. <laughs> that much is, is pretty, has been made pretty clear by the Wilpons time. But just saying, hey, you better watch out. He's going to spend a lot of money. Uh, spending money is not the key. You have to go about things s- smartly. And for all the people who say, well, Steve Cohen's taking over. Yankee fans better watch out. I am not really all that concerned about Steve Cohen as of yet. I'm interested to see what kind of moves he does make. But I will say this. At the end of the World Series, which just opened up last night, and we'll have Game 2 right here tonight on 98.7 FM ESPN New York, uh, when it does conclude, I believe that will be the end of former Astros GM Jeff Lunau's suspension. And when those suspensions end, between Lunau and uh, the manager, A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora, it seems like especially Cora and Hinch, it won't be long before they have jobs again very soon, whereas Lunau... His personality is such where even when this first went down, people were more skeptical of whether or not he will ever be a GM again. I will say this. If Steve Cohen is going to, you know, not just approach things from a financial aspect differently than the Wilpons, but is going to attack things with a ruthless efficiency, the first, and you want to get a Yankee fan like me concerned that the Mets are going to be a major factor, if he goes out, and hires Jeff Lunau, who no questions asked can absolutely do the job. No problem about that whatsoever. To me, if he did that, hired Jeff Lunau as the new GM or president or whatever, that would be a bigger sign that Steve Cohen is not messing around, more so than just simply saying he's going to open up the checkbook and sign this free agent or that one. All right, well, we're not going to have the Jeff Lunau sale because we're already out of time. The show is over for another day. We are back tomorrow. Please uh, listen to the podcast when it's posted in about an hour or so on Twitter. Please vote on the poll question, which is the Regal Tumble. So you can do that on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, and we'll be back tomorrow starting at 5, only here, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.